Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is once again refocusing on the trade deadline and some of the top names that will be available on the market for a number of uh, maybe lucky or unlucky teams, depending on your perspective. We've talked about forwards. Uh, we've talked about, you know, both wingers and centers. We've also started a little bit into the list of defenders, and we're actually going to be continuing with defenders and goalies on tonight's episode. Stay tuned for a trade deadline bonanza here at Locked On Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked on Jets. Like I said at the top of the show, we are going through trade deadline trade bait. Obviously, quite a few names on this list that we uh, we have covered recently over the past couple of uh, past couple of episodes. I am using ESPN's NHL Trade Deadline 2022 article, which if you want a more full analysis or a picture of who might be available, uh, they have a really comprehensive list for each position, as well as some of the current contract statuses and any sort of um, you know, no trade or no movement clauses that might exist on players. So we've talked about wingers, centers, yada, 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 maybe a few defenders, but obviously there are a lot more defenders uh, on this list. Before we get underway, though, I just wanted to say once again, thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis or hear even more about the upcoming NHL trade deadline, be sure to follow your way on Locked On Winnipeg Jets' wonderful accounts that you can find on Odyssey, Spotify, Megaphone, Google, and in the very near future, YouTube for all the video content you can handle. We love and appreciate your support, so be sure to follow, like, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Now, the reason you're all here is to get underway and talk about some additional defenders where we uh, we left off with, I believe it was um, Hampus Lindholm, right? So on this list, we're actually looking at a few more defenders plus a few guys with term, and then we're going to take a look at some goalies. So one of the bigger uh, names that's going to be floated out there is going to be John Klingberg from the Dallas Stars. Now, Klingberg, he's 29 years old. He's got 26 points in 42 games, and you know his contract right now, for what remains of it this year is actually pretty decent value. I think the biggest question with John is where his game is at, because overall, he's just really not that impactful. I'd kind of look at him like um, where Neil Pionk is right now. Neil has had a really rough season defensively, not anywhere near where he was last year, offensively a lot more muted in production. Um, And Klingberg kind of has a similar stats profile right now. I think Klingberg is a little bit more prolific offensively this season, but overall, both guys, uh, especially for what their teams need from them, not really bringing exactly what you would hope for. So Klingberg, I think he's an interesting rental. I would probably be uh, looking at him as like a second pairing guy. I think his top pairing days are, are definitely long over. But if you're looking for like maybe a number four defender, somebody who can also bring a really nice added right-handed shot on your power play unit, maybe some even strength scoring, you're basically getting like a really discount John Carlson here. So I do think that there is merit in what he can do on the puck and in possession, um, especially once he gets like an offensive cycle going. 
I don't know if he's really going to be like a difference maker necessarily, but I think he'll be decent. You know, he's not like the world's greatest defender anymore. But again, if you're a team looking to take a punt on somebody who at one point was one of the top offensive D on uh, on any blue line, I mean, he was really a monster in his prime. I think you could do worse. He just won't be cheap, and I think that is probably one of the big issues with uh, any team that's going to trade for him. Another guy that has a bit of an odd stats profile compared to previous years is Josh Manson. Manson is, uh, again, he's a free agent in the summer, and he's got a modified no-trade clause, which is going to be a little bit complicated to work around. But Manson, at one point, was one of the top two-way defenders in the league. Um, He was paired with Hampus Lindholm for a bit, which might explain some of the results. I, I still think Josh was very good at what he did, but... You know, at his current age and where his game is now, Manson has definitely fallen off considerably. I still think he can be a solid second pair defender. I just, I don't really think it would be more than that. You know, if you're looking for a guy who's going to be a really stable top pairing blue liner for somebody who might be a little bit more of a mobile partner, maybe Manson could fit that role, but I think it would be asking a lot of him. You know, comfortably, I I think he is second pairing and that's kind of where you have to leave it. I don't know how much he'll cost on the market. I I do think that he would be potentially a pretty pricey acquisition. Supposedly, the article says Toronto is interested in Josh, which wouldn't really surprise me. They don't have a lot of really great right-handed blue liners, and that back end, along with the goaltending situation, remains like two of the only real sore spots with the Leafs. So if they want to try and fill maybe one of their biggest gaps here, I could see them taking a punt on Manson. Maybe they go even crazier and try to trade for uh, John Gibson, which I can't imagine that ever really happening. Uh, as much as Toronto needs a goalie, I think the Ducks are going to stick by John and continue using him, especially since it seems like their rebuild might be on a little bit of, a little bit of like a faster timetable. But Josh, Josh really wouldn't fit that competitive window. So I think he would be definitely on the market and an okay option if you want somebody to round out maybe the back half of your defensive core. Now, once he hits free agency, you know, I've heard talk about the Jets before being interested in him. Not too recently. It's been maybe a season or two uh, since Manson was really linked to the Jets. But, you know, the question will come, is he somebody the Jets should try to sign in free agency? And my take is no. I, I don't really feel he is the kind of guy that I would be committing any sort of term or money to. I think where he is right now is mostly a guy that would make sense on like a two or a three year deal if you if you were the Jets. I'm not really looking for more than that. It'd be like a Kulikov kind of signing. And I think Josh is going to be looking for more like three and a half to four and a half, right? And probably for four to five years, which for me, that's that's a pretty hard pass. So Manson, you know, wherever he's off to, I'm sure he'll be happy and, and beloved. But for the Jets, I would probably steer clear. Now, there are a few other defenders with some interesting contract situations, some with term, some without, and we'll explore which of these guys might really be worth actually taking a punt on, especially the guys with term, in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about BetOnline.net and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs, especially as we approach the hottest part of the NHL season, the NHL playoffs. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. 
BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vesna trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, listeners, so much for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. You should also be sure to be subscribed to Locked on Now. It's the best podcast out there keeping you up to date on all the hottest action from around the NHL, featuring nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. We are back and continuing uh, some thoughts on, you know, some of the trade deadline bait that's currently out there. We've got some defenders that are are, uh, certainly out there on the market, especially as expiring free agents, and a couple of them have been pretty decent finds. These last couple of guys, I think for me, are, are passes for a couple of different reasons, but the primary one is that they're just not really all that great, and I think that their contract cap hits... They don't really align to what you would expect to bring in for somebody who, you know, is supposed to be a major trade deadline acquisition and helps push the needle for a contender. These two players that I would probably avoid are uh, Rasmus Ristolainen and P.K. Subban. Now, you know, I don't even know how you work in a Subban trade because Subban's cap hit is so high. You'd have to retain a lot of the remaining salary, which, I mean, I could see the Devils trying to do. It just doesn't really make sense. I think it'd probably be fine for Subban just to spend the rest of the uh, season on the Devils roster unless they could really find someone to actually take um, his contract off their hands. It's a shame that Subban has aged considerably because he used to be super dynamic and super fun to watch, but his game, of course, as he's gotten into his 30s, he has slowed down a good deal. You know, the stuff that he used to be able to do with Montreal, it definitely has, has gotten away from him. And even in Nashville, you could start to see the decline really getting uh, kicked into gear. So what you're getting with him now is probably a guy who would be more comfortably uh, a number 5D or something like that. I I think he could be a potentially useful asset on the power play and maybe in some limited uh, 5v5 action, but beyond that, don't know if I would really be looking for more. The other player that I would definitely be uh, wary of even trying to bring in is Rosmus Ristolainen, and I, I think Ristolainen is probably the whipping boy for, like, the stats versus I test people on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, Ristolainen, it, it doesn't really matter what test you prefer, whether you're looking at the statistical profile or just watching and observing his play on the ice, he's not good. It's unfortunate because I think he has a lot of physical tools and uh, skill sets that would actually make him a really good puck-moving D if his IQ and decision-making were there, but they're just not. Oftentimes, I find Ristolainen is not really as physically aggressive as he should be. He's really huge, but he doesn't actually use his size well. I would kind of compare him in some ways to, like, Logan Stanley. I think that they have a lot of the same issues in how they think about the game and how they use their, their big bodies. And while they both are decently mobile, it's not really enough if your decision-making and uh, your your play on the puck when you have it isn't really all that good or effective. 
defensively, you're just not really getting any value here either. So again, I, I would probably pass. Um, he's not, you know, he's not as expensive as PK Subban will be in terms of a cap pit, but even still, I, I just don't really see value here. And apparently the Flyers actually want to extend him. So yeah, if Philadelphia does resign Ristolainen, oh dear. Now we've talked a lot about expiring free agents, but there are some guys with term that might be worth it for a couple of teams out there. Uh, one of one of the biggest names, of course, is one that I've talked about on a previous episode. That player is Jakob Chikrin, who actually has like I think around three years left on his contract. He's coming in at around four and a half million per season, which, considering what you're getting with him, is actually pretty good value. I think he can be a really really good second pairing blue liner on you know a pretty reasonable contract. And while his production might not look outstanding, I can assure you. Uh, He's probably been one of Arizona's brightest players, and I do think that for the contract cap hit that you're looking at, he presents considerable value. He's the kind of player I would very much be in for um, coming to the Jets. I don't know if Chicken himself would be interested in that, but if Winnipeg could find a way to make a trade package that entices Arizona into bringing him in, you know, I, I, I would be super interested in this. I just don't really think it's actually going to happen. It seems like Chikrin has been linked to LA for ages. I don't know if that's going to be uh, the final destination. Maybe Columbus takes a stab. There are so many teams that could definitely use a young 23-year-old top four blue liner with his puck moving and shooting abilities. And I wonder how many could actually afford him. Considering he's got, you know, a couple of years of term on his deal left at a cap hit that is, again, pretty reasonable. And, you know, a post-COVID economic situation for most teams I would be super interested in seeing what he actually goes for and if the Jets were to be one of those teams that takes a stab at him. The other defender who I think is going to get some attention, probably not as much as Chikrin, but maybe some thought, is Damon Severson. And Severson, I don't really know what to make of his game. He's a very confusing defender because there are parts of his game where like his defensive IQ is extremely poor, and then there are other situations where he just sort of dances between opposing skaters and pulls off this incredibly beautiful highlight reel play um, or orchestrates a great passing sequence that leads to an offensive goal. I don't know what the reality of Severson's like on-ice impact is. From what I understand, he's probably somewhere in like a modest second-pairing role, but again, it's weird, you know? I think he has some of those same issues in terms of trying to figure him out as like Jake Gardner did. Although the thing with Gardner was that uh, his net presence on the ice always had like a really positive impact. With Severson, it's a lot more ambiguous, or at least it was over the past couple of years. I'm not sure if that's changed this year, and it's hard to say um, if his points production is really reflective of how he's contributing on the ice. But considering his cap hit, considering he's only got like a year or so left on his deal, and he's, you know, around uh, half a point per game or so, maybe a little bit over that, I could definitely see a number of teams being really interested. He's just a strange one, and I don't know if I would be super into Severson coming to the Jets. Uh, you know, he, he is kind of, he's at, for me, like the, the difficult age of wanting to extend him after his ex- after his current contract expires, and also not really being sure if the, the quality of player that you're getting is as elite as it should be. So, yeah, tough call. I know that he'll probably get a really good haul at the trade deadline, but beyond that, really hard to say where Severson's future really lies. Probably not with the Jets, and I'd be okay with that. 
Now, we've gone through a lot of positions, defenders, wingers, centers. Now it's time to take a look at one of the last available positions, the one that can be one of the most important for every team out there that wants to go on a hot streak, and that is your netminder. Stay tuned to hear about who's hot and who's not in the trade deadline market for goalies. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some final thoughts on some of the trade deadline fodder currently available. We haven't talked about goalies yet, and uh, there are a number of players out there who might catch the eye of a few teams, but not too many goalies that I would really be super interested in. One of the top names will probably be Marc-Andre Fleury, who, you know, infamously got sent to the Chicago Blackhawks and has plied his trade there for uh, about half a season or so, so far. Uh, You know, his numbers there, they're not too bad. Um, Considering how bad the Blackhawks are, you know, I, I think Fleury has done okay enough. The thing with math is that, you know, whatever his uh, form he's got remaining, I I think you're probably looking at an average to above league average netminder, but not much more than that. And considering his remaining cap hit isn't exactly cheap, I don't know if he's really the hottest commodity, but I could see a team, you know, taking a punt, maybe looking for somebody here who could be uh, a capable backup. I don't think he would be the lead starter, but Maybe, you know, a team like Toronto tries to find a way to fit him. I don't think that there's actually a way for the Leafs to really pull it off, but hey, you never know. I I do see some stuff about, uh, you know, Minnesota maybe taking a stab at him because Cam Talbot is like an okay starter, but not exactly uh, a clear number one. So maybe Fleury would give him some challenge and also be a capable backup if anything really goes wrong. One of the other options out there is going to be Alexander Georgiev. Georgiev... I I just really wouldn't be super interested in. I know that he's on the younger side for most goalies, but given his performance over the past couple of years, I just don't really see Georgiev as more than like a number two or a number three. He's not like the worst goalie out there, but I just feel like um, I'd probably put him in like the Eric Comrie class of netminder. I don't know if he's going to be much more than that, but you know, for like a a million or so um, remaining on his current deal, Maybe a team, you know, takes a stab at it and tries to bring him in for for cheap, but yeah, I I don't really know if this is the kind of goalie I'd be super interested in. The last name that I think is going to be worth talking about is a guy that, again, I I feel doesn't really have a career track record that really impresses me. This is Jonas Corposalo, and like Corposalo, you know, I get that the Blue Jackets aren't great, but even when uh, Columbus was actually a much stronger team, Corposalo's numbers really never jumped up off the page. He's only played a handful of games this season, but you know, the the on-ice save percentage is extremely low, and I can't imagine that going to a contender and suddenly playing for another team is really going to drastically improve his performance to where you actually think he's worth surrendering assets for. He looks at best like a backup, and I just don't really see much more than that unless something really changes. Uh, I don't know if Corpusalo really has anything left in the tank, because at one point he was a very highly touted prospect, but, you know, he's 27 now. Um, his numbers have always been more on the average side, regardless of what level he's playing at, and uh, his NHL performance so far, you know, it's currently very below average, and at best it was kind of like mediocre, so, again, if you're looking for a backup or like an injury replacement, maybe Corpusalo would be okay, but like, Nico Koskinen is also on the market, and honestly, I think Koskinen is probably unfairly maligned in certain areas. I think if Koskinen played on a different team, you might see him be like an okay backup. I don't know that, you know, I would be expecting more than that, but, you know, Koskinen might be the kind of guy that would make more sense. 
you kind of know what you're getting with him, which is like a mediocre backup, and that's probably it. Uh, you know, there are other goalies out there who might be a little bit more on the um, interesting side. I think Varlamov is probably that guy if he wants to leave the Islanders. But generally speaking, the list of expiring or uh, soon-to-be-expiring free agent goalies is super limited. So I just don't really see a lot of guys out there I'd be interested in. Holpe, Varlamov, maybe Flurry, probably your best bets. Beyond that, though, man, the market is like super, super thin. And uh, unfortunately for a lot of teams, one of the biggest reasons is that, you know, the goalie can be your saving grace, even if your team is kind of mediocre. Hello, New York Rangers. I think we're seeing that with Shesterkin. So a lot of squads don't really want to give up their uh, great netminders, and the ones that are going to be available probably are on the market for a reason. So for teams that are uh, considering surrendering assets for a goalie, buyer beware. That is actually going to be uh, our, our discussion on the trade deadline for now, though. We'll have more updates over the next few weeks as more teams start to get involved. We'll talk about what the Jets might be doing, uh, even if they're shopping or if you know they're only looking to sell. I hope you know I, I would hope that they're not really looking to buy anyone for a rental, only for a scenario where they're trading away assets and starting to uh, retool the score. Be sure to tell me your thoughts on that at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's show, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Rodan and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcast media, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!